Welcome in. This is the live chat for this week's RBC Heritage at Harbortown. That's Hilton Head. Welcome in. The next hour or so is going to be me going through the questions in the chat. So drop them in there. We'll rock and roll. It can be about anything, ownership, weather, whatever you want to talk about. Um, Head-to-head matchups, betting, DFS stuff. I will show you everything that you see that I'm going to show you. It's from rickrungood.com. It is uh, my golf data site. I enjoy it. I hope you do. Uh, Otherwise, there is another live chat tonight. 8.15 p.m. Eastern time right here on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. That's for Jock Market. That is Stock Market DFS. They had a massive week last week. A lot of people playing for the Masters. I think there's going to be a lot more value in IPO this time around. So join Joe Idoni and myself for that as well. And I thought I had a couple other announcements, but I can't remember what they are. Oh, how about this? Hit the like like button for me. It's really all I ask. Uh, Otherwise, let's jump into it. Hank Hill, welcome back. Do you have any thoughts on building lineups from the bottom up? I'm sold on four to five guys, sub 7,500, but I'm un- undecided on the top guys. I'm guessing it's more risky than building from the top down. I I generally build from the bottom up. Um, Actually, that's not necessarily true, but I don't start at the top. I start with the guy that I can't live without. So that might be a guy who's 7,500. It might be a guy who's 8,500. It might be the guy who's 11,000. 500. I don't start at the top or start at the bottom. I start with the guys I I must have. And then I go to the guy that I second must have. And then I go to the guy that I third must have. And uh, my my last man in might be Dustin Johnson, or it might be Stuart Sink, right? Just because that's kind of the way that I do it. I think there is a, um, I think it is a flaw for people to always build from the bottom up or always build from the top down. That doesn't make sense. Most people build from the top down because they want to make sure they get their stud. And uh, that's, I mean, it defaults you to the top, right? So most people just build their lineups from the top down. So uh, interesting theory, Hank. So I, I have no problem with you building from the bottom up. I say take the four to five guys that you are absolutely sold on and work it out from there. I think that is absolutely a fine strategy. Craig says, lots of my crunches end up with Brian Harmon. Could you do a deep dive? Yeah, so... Before I even get into the deep dive, uh, Brian Harmon's a pretty good play, I believe. Let's let's talk about it. So here's the cheat sheet. We'll start here, um, and we'll look for Brian Harmon, who I believe is oh, I gotta scroll up a little bit, uh, eighty seven hundred dollars. So I have him at eighty seven hundred dollars. I have him checking in at seventeen and a half percent ownership because a lot of people are gonna like Brian Harmon. A third place finish at the Players Championship. He had a very public and really great run deep into the match play event. And also he finished 12th at the Masters. Those are all good signs. Let's see how he's doing it. And what I'm actually gonna show you guys, and I've loaded this into the database here. I need to find a way to mark these as unofficial, but I do have the master's data in here. Now, remember, just to make sure we're all on the same page, um, the master's does not release strokes gain data and they do not share anything with the PGA Tour. But if you have the shot by shot information like we do, you can calculate this information. So Nelson Adcock, who you can follow on Twitter, he's a great follow. He's a great guy, first of all. Um, You should follow him. He he did this for me, and and I'm very happy with the outcome. But essentially, it is he just went through, took the shot by shot data, and made strokes gain numbers out of it, which is absolutely beautiful. So, uh, just note these are not official, but I'm very comfortable with what they are. 
And what I see about Brian Harmon is three straight events also includes the match play where he gained strokes in ball striking. He has not lost off the tee since, well, he did it at Phoenix, but it was 0.06 since Houston, which was in November. Now, Brian Harmon, you got to remember, he's not a very long hitter, which means he's very accurate. The approach game's coming around. We know that his uh, that his putting can get scorching hot at times. I don't mind Brian Harmon at all. In fact, I actually kind of like Brian Harmon. And if we go and look at his golfer profile, we can kind of see where he ranks here. Uh, 21st in strokes gained putting. That was one of the key stats that we had at Harbortown. Uh, driving accuracy is 44th. That's one of the key stats. And I bet you, I bet you if we do, I'm, I'm guessing on this, but I bet you if we do driving accuracy more recently, Brian Harmon shows up better. Let's do the last 30 rounds. Or maybe I'm full of it. Okay, here he is. So that's better than what he was, 44th. He's like 22nd or something like that. So uh, Brian Harmon hitting a lot more fairways even recently. So yeah, Craig, all good. All good on on Brian Harmon. I'll keep it simple, says Brian. Do you hate Mark Hubbard as a punt or not? Boy, I'm not even sure I've considered Mark Hubbard this week. So let's, this is why we're here. Let's do a deep dive into Hubbard. He is $6,300 this week. So he's a pretty deep punt. Okay. Loses off the tee a lot. That's not great. Uh, loses on approach a lot. Also not great relies on the short game. So there's a couple ways to think about this guy. So remember, this is an incredibly unique golf course, Harbor Town. And I can show you while I'm talking through this, I can show you here it is par 71. It's going to play a little over 7,100 yards or about 7,100 yards. This thing is, this is a big note right here. 3,700 square feet on average. Second smallest on the PGA tour. Only Pebble Beach is smaller. Also fairways are narrow and tree-lined. And even if you're in the fairway, there are some overhanging branches that will give you issues. So you really do have to be quite exact around here. It's a very, very unique course that we have on the PGA Tour. So um, is Mark Hubbard spraying it? Yes, it appears that he is. Let's pull him up on the on the golfer profile and see what we can find. Historically, not a great driver of the golf ball, but I will say this. Okay, so this is kind of interesting. So there's a clear distinction we have to make this week. Um, he's losing strokes off the tee, but how is he doing it? Well, he is one of the shortest hitters on tour, but he hits a ton of fairways. So I will say that's good. This I'd rather it be that way than the other way, right? Hit a bunch of fairways. That's what's going to come in handy around Harbor town. If you're going to miss greens, you're going to have to have a pretty good short game, which he does. Brian, I'm probably talking myself into this. I'm like a six out of 10 in like excitement about, about Mark Hubbard. How do we feel about taking a, a flyer on Kyle Stanley? Jeez, you guys, we are coming out hot. This must be, you know, it's a pretty good field, but we are coming out hot with uh, trying to figure out some names for this week. Stanley, usually a good ball striker. And then the closer he gets to the green, that's going to be an issue. Let's see what he's been up to. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not generally a a, a uh, Kyle Stanley guy. You can see usually good on approach, but when things go south, they go really south. Lost 8.8 at the players. That was probably a lot of water. Lost uh, 3.3 at the Genesis. Putters got awful. No, probably not for me, David. The other two guys, I probably could. Golf enthusiast says, hey, Rick, big fan. You're going to be making $10 million a year one day. First of all, I hope that is correct. I hope you are not only golf enthusiast, but you are uh, you have golf ESP. And you're looking into the future. That would be great. $10 million. That, whew. Okay. Yes, I will happily rank these four golfers for you. Likely to miss the cut. Oh, man. 
Willie Zizzle, so that would be Will Zalatoris. Fitzmagic, that would be Matt Fitzpatrick. Terrell Hatton, Colin Morikawa. Hmm, interesting. Uh, most likely to miss out of those, I'll say Hatton, who I actually like this week, but he is he's pretty volatile, right? Like I think we can we can all agree on on that. Um, Zalatoris, I love this week. However, he's going to have to kind of change his game plan a little bit. Not that he can't do it. I think he absolutely can do it. I'm so high on the guy. I've, I've actually bet him to win this golf tournament, but he's going to have to change his, his strategy for this week, but I think he can do it. But if he can't, I think maybe he's the second most likely Fitz Fitz magic Fitzpatrick. He's been great. You know, I really don't have much to say to knock him. And then Morikawa is, you know, Arguably, I mean, Morikawa might be the best player in this field at the moment. We can talk about that. Um, but I would probably rank them like that. Hatton, most likely to miss. Will Z, second. Fitzpatrick, third. Morikawa, fourth. Will Casey go left-hand low? Or does it not matter because he's not a good putter? So this is a really interesting conversation. It's one I think we need to have. For those of you who are just catching up, let me show you the round-by-round -round data from the Masters. So Paul Casey, notoriously poor putter. Uh, did more of the same the first three rounds of the Masters. He lost about three and a half strokes on the field putting. Then what he did is on Sunday, he switched his grip. He went left-hand low, which is he usually has a conventional putting grip. And he gained two and a half strokes putting, and he shot one of the lowest rounds of the day. Now, the argument is that when you make a switch in the middle of a tournament, it is out of desperation, JG, which is an argument that I understand. Um, you're just trying to find something in the moment. If he was going to go to this longer term, it's probably something that he would be putting into play maybe a couple times. It's, it would take weeks and months and he would finally go to it. So I don't know. I don't know if he's going to go left-hand low this week. I've been trying to get people on site to see what he's been doing during, during practice. I haven't heard back yet. Uh, it might not matter though, because sometimes those quick fixes are, are, are just that they are quick fixes either way, whether it's left-hand low or conventional, um, he's going to have to find an average putting week. If he can find an average putting week, he can contend. Thoughts on Campos when I was going through the, the, some of the logs and wondered what your take was. So the argument is that Campos is a, a bit of a popper. Let's see if I can find him here. So pretty good off the tee and pretty accurate. Well, not really all that accurate. I guess he's in the bottom half of the PGA tour, but hits it pretty far. Uh, let's look at his results. So he goes 34th at Valero, second at Punta Cana, third at, at in Puerto Rico, and then he missed the cut at Honda. How much is he this week? I don't know what his price is this week. He's got to be in the six thousand dollar range, right? He's got to be pretty cheap. Oh, sixty four hundred. It's not bad. He certainly pops. I'm not sure this is a great spot for him, but he's a, a pretty decent flyer. How impressive uh, was Will Zalatoris? Yeah, uh, he's unbelievable. I, I mean, if we look at the logs, he's really doing something special here. And I can't, I cannot stress enough how impressive it is when you are um, playing well in all these diverse courses, right? So he has one, two, three, four, five. He has six top tens already. And then if you count top 25s, it's basically everything. And he's done it at Winged Foot. He's done it at Punta Cana. He's done it at um, Shriners. That's TPC Summerlin. He's done it at Torrey. He's done it at Augusta National. He's done it at Bay Hill. He's just impressive. He's incredibly impressive. How much of him will I have this week? A lot. I bet him outright, and I will have exposure to him in a lot of other situations. Favorite matchup this week is Harmon over English. Thoughts? Yeah, I kind of love it. So here is the 
here's the head-to-head matchup tool. Um, you know, Harris English has not been the same since his victory. And I think I showed this on the first cut podcast on um, maybe on, I guess it would have been on Monday. So here's, here's Harmon versus English since the start of uh, 2020, which is it has Harris English is a pretty significant favorite. But if you go since the start of 2021, I bet you Brian Harmon crushes him. He does 68%. And the reason for that is here. So I'm going to go since, um, since Harris, Harris English's victory, which was at the tournament of champions. So I'm going to try to do, yeah, I want, I want after his victory. So January 11th, and we sort this by strokes gain T to, uh, strokes gain total. The only guy who is priced over, uh, where is he? Oh, actually, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I want to do this by, by price. The only guy who is priced over like $7,500 that is losing strokes total is Harris English. He's right here. He's losing four tenths of a stroke per round since his win. That is very, very bad. Uh, I certainly do not mind Brian Harmon over Harris English. Producer Jacob says, give me Paul Casey. I'll give him to you. I, I like Paul Casey quite a bit. Thank you, Producer Jacob, for stopping in. If we are using good drives gained in a model, what off the T metric should be removed? Uh, yeah, I guess fairways gained would be the answer to this question. So for those of you who are wondering, there is a stat. Um, let's try to pull this up here percentage on the PGA tour. There is a stat called good drive percentage. And this is the only week of the year that I ever look at this. Uh, Essentially what good drive percentage says is it says, did you hit the fairway? And if you didn't, were you able to get a green in regulation or a fringe in regulation, which is most weeks pretty useless information. I'll be, I'll be frank with you, but, but this week with having to be in the correct side of the fairway and then also be still being able to get to the green is important because good drive percentage is a bit more about intent that for a player, like it, are you putting yourself in a, whether you, whether you hit the fairway or not, are you putting yourself in a good position to find a green or a fringe in regulation? And you can see some of the guys that pop up or guys that you'd think would have pretty good success around here. So good drive percentage for this year, Brian Stewart is number one. James Hahn is two. Uh, Webb Simpson won here last year. Abraham Answer finished second. Colin Morikawa is Colin Morikawa. Then you get Grio Neesmith, who's had a good run here. Henley, like these are the types of players that you'd think would find success at, um, at Harbor town and they show up on that good drive number. So that is, this is like the only week in the year I use that. Saw a crazy stat on Twitter, says Sid. Four of Stuart Sink's seven wins have come the week after finishing top 20 in a major. This is interesting, including twice here. And of course, he was T12 last week. Does that mean anything to you? So, no, but uh, I do like Stuart Sink this week. So let me tell you what I, the problem that I have with this stat is this. This is the event that comes after a uh, after the, uh, uh, the Masters, normally. So... If he's won here twice, that like happens to be four of his seven wins have come after that. Also, I mean, how does this stat? How does this compare to other players and other and other events? Right? Do like what if the stat was so and so's half of so and so's wins come the week after he played the Honda Classic? Like, would anybody care all that much? I don't know. I think it's a coincidence. But he, but all that thrown away. Sid, I really do like uh, Stewart Sink this week. You know, if you look at this, 
he's actually been quite impressive as well because he's now what 47 years old. He is one of the longest drivers on the PGA tour. Does that surprise you? Yeah, he is uh, 29th in driving distance on tour, which means he's much, much better than that in this field. He's won here twice. Uh, the game is 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 in good form right now. I I do like Stuart Sink, but it is not because of that stat right there. Dr. McGoodbody says, yo, and I say yo to Dr. McGoodbody, who I believe won like $115,000 last week, sent me a very nice message. Thank you very much. Welcome to the chat. Congratulations, Dr. Mr. Goodbody. That's hard to say. That's hard to say. We're gonna have to figure out something else for that. Let me take a quick pause here to let you guys know uh, that Jock Market is unbelievable. So Jock Market, they sponsor this, but the, it, it is much more than that. You know, we do the we do the the happy hours on on Wednesday nights. There's gonna be one tonight at 8 15 p.m. Eastern time. Um, I just love this format so much. And it's stock market DFS. You bid on golfers during IPO. That's tonight. And then when that closes, you can buy and sell shares of golfers. So to give you an example, you know, Hideki Matsuyama um, goes out and, and let, you know, last, last week during the power hour, it, you know, he closed at $6 and five cents. Well, that was his share price. Uh, when he won the tournament, he got the full payout of $25 a share. So you made almost $19 a share. And I actually had someone send me a message and said, um, wouldn't it have just been smarter to bet an outright on Hideki Matsuyama and gotten you know 40 to one? And the answer is yes and no, right? I mean, if, if Hideki finished second, your outright ticket was worthless. If Hideki finished second in the jock market, uh, he paid out $13 of profit per share. So it's just different. You know, it, it, it kind of limits your exposure in terms of outrights. And if a guy plays poorly, um, you don't lose all your money. So it's just kind of tempered in both directions, which I think is really fun. And you can build a portfolio of golfers and not require all of them to win the golf tournament. So yes and no, I think it's a really good way to supplement, especially during the tournament for your fantasy fix. Um, you can sign up, you can go to jock market. You could use the code Let's call it Rick 20. I, I think that's the one that's live right now. Yeah, Rick 20. Rick 20, that'll get, that'll get you a $20 deposit bonus. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. Join us tonight for the Power Hour. I really enjoy it. Back to the questions. Matt Sandy says, you the man, Rick. Thank you very much. Playing around with the new lineup builder, what is your strategy when determining how many unique golfers to use when executing a 20 um 20 lineup build. So here's the new lineup builder. This is still very much in beta, still some new things being, uh, you know, I, I want to add more stats. I want to add more parameters, but I love the way it's working right now. So you're asking about this right here, Matt, how many unique golfers? So what that means is, you know, after it, after it optimizes the first lineup, uh, you know, how it'll, it'll only throw away one guy to optimize the second lineup if that fits, or you can throw, have it throw away two guys or three guys or four guys or all five guys. Now there's no right answer to this. Uh, the, the less unique golfers. So one or two, it means a tighter core you're going to have, which means that, um, your, your results are going to be more volatile. You're going to weeks that you hit your core, you're going to win a lot, uh, weeks that you whiff, you're going to lose everything, uh, going with three or four or five, uh, unique golfers every single time will make your, will make your player pool larger and it will, uh, essentially spread out your risk. I can't answer that question for you, Matt, because that is up for you to decide what your risk tolerance is. Um, I like to keep it tight. It's up to you. Biggie Balls, welcome, says Rick Gaiman for president 2024. Wow. Thank you. I think I'd rather, I think I'd rather make the $10 million a year, but hey, I'd be president. First thing I would do is president. Uh, 
Anybody who yells, get in the hole at a golf tournament would be thrown in federal prison. Solitary confinement forever. That's my platform. I think I could win. Thanks for showing up, Biggie Balls. Who do you like to finish the highest? Hatton, Her- oh, I thought it said Herman. Harmon or Casey? Listen, I love Harmon, but you're comparing him against two, what, top 15 players in the world, top 20 players in the world. Um, I think Casey's the safest, right? Because he's he has that floor of the ball striking. Harmon I like a lot, but I mean, Hatton's upside, right? Hatton has legitimate winning upside. He's won four times in probably his last, I don't know, 30 starts worldwide. So he does have a lot of upside, but I think he's going to be your more volatile. So this is kind of a tough question to answer. I would go hat and Casey Harmon. Um, but I think Casey's floor is probably the highest. How often do you bet guys that aren't amazing? Oh, sorry. With, <laughs> with odds that aren't amazing just because you think they're going to win or do you stick pretty closely to ex- expected value? Great question. This is from drew. Um, I am by no means a professional gambler, right? That is not where my income comes from. And it is certainly not where I assume a lot of all of your income comes from. I bet for entertainment. So I, as, as much as I love the value of it, right? I run all the models and I say, oh, wow, this is a really great value. I'm not bending the knee to that every single time, right? I'm not blindly following that. Like I liked, I mean, I was very clear that I liked Patrick Cantlay and Paul Casey last week. I got Paul Casey at 50 to one down at Circa. I would have bet him at 35, right? Just because I thought he was like, I thought he was going to win. Listen, I'm not, if I'm trying to grind ROI over five or six years, I'd probably care a lot more about it. I'm looking for a sweat on Sunday. So often I will bet guys with odds that aren't that great. And honestly, outright markets aren't that great in general. Circa has the, the the smallest hold. I have access to that book. That's great, but a lot of you don't. So I wouldn't worry about it as much, Drew, um, because you're not a professional gambler is my answer. Do you think Kisner or Kurt can win the tournament? Yes, I think Kurt can win it more. You know, the Kisner narrative, let's, let's look into Kisner because Kisner gets, he always gets a big boost this week because in theory... This should be a really good spot for him, right? He is not a long hitter, but he is more precise. He can get the putter going. Let's look at his history around here. Uh, it would be a lot easier if I knew what his price was. Here he was, 7700 So he's got a couple of top 10s. Um, you know, missed the cut last year, finished 41st the year before that. So it's kind of been a mixed bag. There's been good. There's been bad. If we look at what he has done recently, I remember not being all that impressed. Let's see. Yeah, this is a little bit concerning. Uh, You know, he's lost strokes putting in his last two. And in fact, if you go back in his last three, the putter hasn't been as good as we would normally see. The approach game has been lacking. You know, it's not as good as when we saw him playing well at the end of 2019. You can just kind of scroll back and see like red versus green. So I'm not as excited about Kisner. I think Kirk actually can. You know, Kirk has contended a couple of times. Um, This should be a really good spot for him. I, I think I like that. Any concerns at all using web as one and done this week? No, absolutely not. So first of all, depending on your book, web might be the favorite, which is also j- j- jarring, right? To see DJ with the second longest or the second shortest odds is is uh, is jarring, but but that's what DraftKings has him at. So um, no, I think I have no concerns using web this week. The only other be- place that might be better might be Wyndham if you want to save him for that. But no, there's certainly no concerns about Weber. 
Lucas Glover or JT Poston? Poston was interesting. Why did Poston pop up for me? Was it Pete Dye courses or was it here? So I was running all these, you know, different sims, right? Or different models. So we could say Pete Dye Architects. And we could say go by strokes gain total. Was it Poston who popped up here? No, it might have been. That was Chase Seifert. It might have been here. If I just do Harbor Town. Okay, this is what it was. So if you go by just Harbor Town, uh, he only has eight rounds, but JT Poston gaining 2.3 strokes per round at this event. Putts well around the green. He's been dialed in. Those are interesting things. I'm going to say JT Poston Brady. This isn't a question about this week, but who do you think is someone not enough people are paying attention to that could really go off the rest of the year? Wow. Interesting. I'm going to have to think about this. Hold on. Um, Robert McIntyre, I think, is maybe an answer to this question. You know, if he gets on a good run here and plays more on the PGA Tour than he does on the European Tour, I don't know what his status is. Um, but he's playing well right now. That could be interesting. I'm also keeping an eye on Sam Burns. If if that driver comes back, I think he'll be kind of deadly again. Remember that good run that he was on? So um, let me think about that. That's a really good question. I like that. Thoughts on Jim Furyk this week? Yeah, so if there's ever a week to play Jim Furyk, it is probably this one. Uh, remember, he's won here a couple of times. He is accurate. Uh, gets the putter going. He's been great on the Champions Tour. When he plays on the PGA Tour, he actually hasn't been all that bad. I think he missed his last two cuts, but he had made like four in a row prior to that. So I certainly I certainly don't mind Furyk. If this is going to be ever a place to play him, it's now. Yo, what it do, says Golf Enthusiast. What it do. Evan, welcome, says, large-scale one and done. Lower-owned play Weber Burger. Has to be Burger, right? Webb's got the narrative of the past champion that this is a perfect place for him. Burger's coming off of a missed cut. Um, Berger has to be the lower owned guy. I would assume if we look at ownership, which I, we actually haven't really looked at yet ownership on the cheat sheet, which isn't a direct correlation to one and done, but it does certainly, uh, help. I have Webb at 21%, one of the most popular players, Berger actually catching much more steam than I would imagine, uh, 17%, but, but I think Berger is certainly going to be the lower owned guy. Thoughts on if Abraham is the answer. Uh, I don't really have much negative to say about answer. You know, he's been on kind of hashtag team no putt for eight starts or so, and now he's starting to figure the putter out. He's playing well at the Masters. He played well here last year. He fits the mold of golfers that you think are going to have success at this event. So I I have nothing negative to say about Abraham answer other than the fact that a win would be his first win, Right. Uh, I actually, I actually think here's another trend that I don't really care about. Um, you know, this event has allowed a lot of first time winners. I don't think it's because it's first time winners. I just think it is, <coughs> excuse me, kind of a volatile course. So we've seen CT Pan win. We have seen Satoshi Kadaira win. We have seen Wesley Bryan win. Those guys all much longer, uh, longer shots than Abraham answer, but it allows a little bit of kind of chaos, if that makes sense. Any love for Ryan Armour, the sub 6.5K 6, 6 play, asked Daniel. I assume this is because um, he is very accurate. I'm assuming that is what the argument for Ryan Armour is going to be, and he is. He's 11th in driving accuracy. He's 24th in strokes gained putting. 
209th in distance, as you can expect. Trying to look at his fantasy results here. Doesn't post a ton of double-digit value weeks. Yeah, I'm not as excited, Daniel. Um, I understand the fit. He just hasn't played all that well. I mean, he has. He doesn't have a top 40 in six starts. He's missed three of those cuts. Did play well at this Pete Dye's at the stadium course. I'm not as excited. Like I'm like a four out of 10 on excitement. If 50, if five is uh average, any updates on making course history, a key stat. Uh, I'm assuming that means for like, for like the lineup builder and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm certainly still in beta, but like course history, recent form, all that stuff, being able to weigh it for sure. Because uh, some weeks are better than others in terms of course history. Or, or maybe you're saying, maybe I should run it course history. Like how sticky. Yeah, I've been working on that. Uh, but I'm not ready to. I got to run more numbers. I got to run more numbers. But that would be pretty cool. In your preview show, Sungjae popped near the top of strokes game putting, driving distance, and fairway percentage. Thoughts on going back to him after last week's debacle. So here is my only concern with Sungjae, as much as I love the guy. He has been absolutely, well, let me clear the courses. Make sure I don't have any other filters on here. He has been so bad on approach. And that is that was the concern last week, right? Didn't I come on here probably last Wednesday and I said, Sungjae has lost strokes on approach in like six straight events. And when you're a little bit off at Augusta National, you are a lot off. Uh, and now he has basically lost strokes on approach in seven consecutive events because he was absolutely brutal last week. You, you, you have to be, these are small greens. You have to be precise. I am still worried about Sungjae. Until we start to see these approach numbers start to look a lot like what he did from the tour championship to, to farmers, I think Sungjae is going to struggle. That's It's the most important part of the game. It's very important here. I'm worried about it. So that's where I'm at. Hit the like button. Thank you, Russell. Uh, biggest riser in your eyes and guy that got worse this week. Love the content. Thank you very much. So let's see. So as the week has gone on, who have I grown on and who have I not? Good question. Oh man, I don't even know the answer to this. I've probably, I, you guys are going to kill me for this. I've probably grown on Patrick Cantlay. Don't, don't throw things at me. The, the, like, I was really upset last week too, right? He, he showed up at Augusta national. He had no indication he was going to play poorly. He played poorly. He looked disinterested. It was terrible. Friday was a little bit better. Friday, he at least had putts at birdie, did not come close to sniffing any, but he at least played a little bit better. Um, I I still think that that's the outlier week, right? So so if you go and run any metric for this week, Patrick Cantley is going to pop up there. He's He's gone third, seventh, third here. He's gone and he plays well at Pete Dye courses. So I'm trying to forgive him, Russell. I'm trying to forgive him over the course of the week. I don't know if I can, but I'm trying to. Uh, and the guy that I've probably fallen off of as the week has gone on, I'm a little bit worried about DJ still. Um, I don't know. There's just something weird about him. He continues to flip. He can, he continues to flip the switch better than anybody else, but I'm not sure this is a great fit for him. I'm not sure that he's just not here as a sponsor obligation. 
and this course isn't isn't ideal for him. I, I don't know. I, I've probably just cooled on DJ. Oh, that's a perfect next question is if DJ wasn't an RBC brand ambassador, would he not would he be playing? I don't know. He hasn't this is the this is the event he's played the most in his career five times where he has not ever finished inside the top ten. Excuse me, guys. Cantlay's ownership I have at 13%. So only Cam Smith would be um, lower in the 10K range. So Cam Smith, to me, this is not a knock against Cam Smith, and he's actually probably going to be a pretty good leverage play if you can get him. But paying $10,200 is pretty shocking, right? You know, if you go back and look at his his logs. So I've got logs here for like the last four years, and uh, Cam Smith has never been this expensive. And I don't understand it. Like he's playing well, but he's not, he hasn't been that good, right? I mean, he shouldn't be higher than Berger. He shouldn't be higher than Casey. He shouldn't be higher than these other guys. The The most expensive he's ever been was the 2019 Sanderson Farms. Now we're now we're putting a 10-2 price tag on him. I actually think it's a mistake. I think it's a pricing mistake. It'll, it'll give you leverage if you like Cam Smith. I mean, he's played fine. There's no knocks against his game, but the price is shocking. <clears throat> Sungjae or Horschel, love the content every week. Best info out there. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think I have to go with Horschel, uh, Jay Smooth, just because we, we just talked about Sungjae. It's pretty ugly at the moment. Um, Kevin Erickson. <laughs> uh, okay, Kevin. Hold on. Let me pull up your comment here. So Kevin sent, wow. Kevin sent a super chat. First of all, thank you, Kevin. Uh, that's very generous. $25 says here's your 10% cut cut on the, on the minus 10, uh, final score call last week at the masters. That is, uh, that's good. Also everyone check out the run good shop for some great casual wear, especially the polos. I do love the polos as well. Top shelf for it. Keep up the good work, Kevin. Uh, you are much appreciated as always, my man. Um, Really appreciate this. I'm glad. I'm glad it was a good week for you, and you are always in the chat with the support. So that's that's certainly awesome. I love it. Much appreciated. Is there an actual strategy to one and done? Oh my god, Jim! There's a huge strategy to one and done. I was actually I've been trying to. I wanted to write a book about this, not like a real book, but like an ebook, right? Like like chapters of it, because I think there is a ton of strategy to one and done. There is the the things that people mess up the most, Jim, are. Um, expected value, right? So looking at the prize purse and the winner's share uh, compared to how strong the field is. So there are a lot of situations where you would rather take Dustin Johnson or Jordan Spieth or Justin Thomas when he is the only guy, the like the only stud in the field uh, than, pl- than saving him for a major. Because if you run, okay, let's say, let's just do this for quick rounding. If Justin Thomas goes and plays Sony, and he is going to win that event 20% of the time, and it's a a million-dollar purse. Uh, His expected value is like around 200000 It would be more than that because it's not like he is uh, winning it or missing the cut. He's going to have other positions. But let's just say his expected value is 200000 Well, if he goes to the Masters or or the U.S. Open and the first first prize is uh, $2 million and he only has a 5% chance of winning it, I should have done numbers that I could have rounded a little bit better, but what is that? That's a hundred thousand dollars in expected value. So that's the number one, that is the number one mistake that most people make. Um, so I don't know. That's, that would be, that would, yeah, there's a lot of strategy. I could go on and on all day. Michael Wheeler asks, why is your tool so expensive? It's always wrong. Um, well, I'm happy to address that. Uh, I don't think it's all that expensive. I think it's very fairly priced. It is official data from the PGA tour. 
presented in a way that should hopefully save you a lot of time and effort. And I, I don't, I imagine it's cheaper than a lot of other places. I don't know that. And it's always wrong. Um, that's an interesting statement considering, uh, it's just the data, right? That's what you're paying for. The data is not wrong. How I interpret it can be wrong. That's for sure. How you interpret it could be wrong. That's absolutely for sure. But the data is not wrong. The idea of the site is to allow you to uh, do research easier in a better way. So uh, I would argue both of these statements, Michael, but thanks for popping in. Do you think Berger is still uh, injured or is he good? Love him on short tracks with Bermuda. Yeah, I, I agree, Peyton. Listen, I haven't heard any other, any other, any, it, wow, anything else uh, since Berger and he's been playing. So I'm, I'm assuming that rib injury, that's what we're talking about. I'm assuming that is uh, much better. I, I, I like that a lot. I'm fine with that. Uh, Bernie or guillotine with the super chat. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. It says your 2020 RBC model was incredibly predictive. Dri oh, okay. So you have the you have the weights here. Driving accuracy, driving distance, strokes game, putting, par four, T to green, twenty nine. Well, okay. So let's do this, Bernie. You got it, my man. It's not the same model this time around because I don't have par four scoring in here yet. That's coming. But let me do my best to replicate this. So, driving accuracy thirty three. So I'm going to clear these weights. Driving accuracy gets thirty three of them. Driving distance gets twenty of them. I can do that. Strokes game putting gets 20. Wow. I was very adventurous last year. I don't know if I would have built this the same way. Our forward scoring, I don't have any more. And then T to green. Well, it can't be 29, right? Because that doesn't that that doesn't add up. Oh, maybe I'm reading this wrong. Strokes gain is 10. Sorry. Strokes gain is 10. Our forward score. T to green is 29. Ooh. 2020 Rick was crazy. So I have eight left over. I don't have par four scoring anymore. Let me just do, I mean, I could do total. That might double count some things. Uh, for the purpose of this, I'll do total because I think that's the safest to kind of replicate this. And let's see what this pumps out. So <laughs> Daniel Berger would be number one. Uh, oh, and I guess I'm using, let's do let's do 50 rounds. That's that's kind of the, the default, right? So this, this model is a little bit different, but let's just do 50 rounds here. Um, Berger number one. Sorry. No, he's not. Sung J M is number one, believe it or not. Yeah. So without that, without the heavyweight on, on approach, he gets, he gets a lot of, uh, the putting has been great. The off the tee stuff has been great. The total has been great. The approach has been terrible. Uh, Paul Casey's number two, Colin Morikawa, three Webb Simpson, four Connors, Berger, Hatton, Henley, English, Gim. Yeah. These are all guys that certainly could contend here. So that's what the model would do. I couldn't get exactly what you wanted, Bernie, but I hope that's close enough. It's 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 much much appreciated for the super chat, and I hope that that um, I hope that that model helps. Smash the like button, people. Uh, thank you, DFS Chef. Seeing some chatter on Bobby Mack. I do like Bobby Mack here. Uh, he, he's great off the tee. He hits it long. I'm hoping he can dial it back in, but he's playing well. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin says, despite what Twitter is saying, congrats to Mina, that's my wife, for outkicking her coverage and snagging a fantasy mastermind as well as six feet of twisted steel and sex appeal. Kevin, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm going to start blushing here in a second. Um, what was Webb's form going into his win last year? Oh, interesting. Okay, so let's look. 
we can do this. Best way to do that is probably going to be, let's go to the golfer profiles. Let's go to, you know what? No, let's go to the Holy Grail. Let's go to the Holy Grail, go by tournament. Let's look at lead-in form. We'll go to Webb Simpson's lead-in form. So last year, his win was here, right? This row right here, RBC Heritage. Now remember, this is going to be tough here because this was the second event after the restart. So we'd really, we didn't really have form. Right, he missed the cut. At the, he missed the cut at the Charles Schwab. That was it. If I remember correctly, watch this. Oh, this is I'm having flashbacks. If I remember correctly, at Charles Schwab, he was horrible in the first round, and he was awesome in the second round because then I picked him to win this event last year, and he hit it. That's why I remember this. But I bet you, if we go back, let's do Web round by round. For Charles Schwab last year, I'm going to say he lost like three strokes putting in the first round. He did. Oh, no, he lost three on approach. Oh, he lost three on approach. He lost 1.6 putting. Yeah, I was like, that's that's not Webb. And then his second round was much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. Um, unfortunately, there was no lead in form. Oh, sorry. I forgot to show it. Oh, man. I just, I just like showed the whole thing. Here we go. I forgot to show it. This was Webb last year. Dang. My whole thing was was ruined because I wasn't showing my screen. <clears throat> yeah. So I've, I've done a deeper dive on Kazire quite a bit, uh, recently. Uh, he is a, he's a popper, man. He actually shows up in top tens, uh, quite often. So I, I, I certainly don't mind Kazire a lot of times. Do you like Streelman or Todd, um, at 7,300? Yeah, I think both of them are fine. I think Todd is probably a better fit this week, right? Just because you can lean into his accuracy. You can lean into his putting. So I probably prefer Todd, but I'm pretty, I'm a usually a pretty big fan of Streelman. They're very different. Who are a few guys you like for your team? No putt. Woof. There's a lot of them, right? Um, I guess, Oh, I guess in this field answers starting to come out of that, which is usually a good thing. Uh, Casey would certainly be in that group. I mean, Sergio, I Sergio would certainly fit that. And I don't know who else would fit that. Can we also say, um, we haven't talked about Charlie Hoffman yet. There has not been a Charlie Hoffman question yet. Can I, can I show you guys something? This is, this is what I think is kind of crazy. So let's do everybody on tour, uh, 2021 season sort by strokes gain. So this goes back to the fall. Remember? Okay. This goes back to September. Charlie Hoffman is the one, two, three, four, fifth best player in this field since 2021 and he is like the one two three four five six seven eight nine ten like 11th best player on tour since 2021 very cheap this week so since no one asked about charlie hoffman yet i'll ask the question i've answered a couple of these Hey, Rick, who do you think is the best out of Morikawa, Berger, Fitzpatrick? I picked Morikawa to win. I think it's him. Is there a better upcoming course to save Cantlay, Simpson for than Heritage? You could save Simpson for Wyndham if that's in your pool. Uh, if if it depends, it also depends on, um, do you do the wraparound at all? Have you already done the wraparound? Uh, Cantlay's perfect spot is Shriners. Uh, but his second perfect spot is... <laughs> It's probably here. I know it's good. Cantlay, you know, Cantlay's winning this week, right? When everybody is just so sick of Cantlay, you know, he's winning this week. It, it's going to happen. 
Will HV3 ever break through? I don't know, Clinton. I I legit, so I picked, we did this on the first cut pod a couple of, I guess, months ago. I guess it was at the beginning of the year. And I picked, we had, we had to pick a guy who was outside of the top 100 to get into the top 25. It's a pretty hard exercise to do. I thought HV3 was the guy. Great ball striker. Um, we've seen him get in contention and fall out. I thought maybe if he broke through once, he could break through again. I don't know. Just not happening. Jim wants to know, driving accuracy and driving distance are top seven stats while off the tee is 31. Can you explain how being accurate and long driver of the ball does not equate to strokes strokes gained off the tee being as important? Yeah, so I think what you're talking about is this, um, which would be this model right here. Uh, this is, so there's a couple of different things about this. Just because you're long and accurate, uh, just because, sorry, just because driving accuracy is an important stat and driving distance is an important stat doesn't mean that everybody who has success is both of those things. They're probably just one of them. So that's like when you see uh, Webb Simpson win this golf tournament, he would fit the mold for accuracy, not necessarily distance. Um, so, so there are probably very few guys that have had a lot of success here that do both. That's what this says. Now you also have to remember, technically speaking, strokes gained off the tee is just as important as driving distance this week. Their 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 value is 0.169, both of them. But when you rank that against other courses, it makes it the 31st most important stat, which means there's 30 other courses, or excuse me, it means there's 30 other courses where strokes gained off the tee is more important. So what you're not seeing is success of golfers who do both of these things well. You're seeing success of golfers who do one or the other. That's the way that this can happen. And also remember that they're rankings. Hey, Rick, can you show us who the best Bermuda putters are? Uh, sure. Let's do it. So let's do Holy Grail. Uh, let's do. Let's open up the entire time frame because... I want to make sure I have as many rounds as possible. Let's do Bermuda. Do you want to do Bermuda and small greens? Maybe we can do them both. So let's do Bermuda. Bermuda. Uh, so he only has 28 rounds, but Christian Bezadenhout gaining nearly a shot per round. Denny McCarthy is up there as well. Matthew Fitzpatrick, Sam Burns, Sung J.M. If you want to go Bermuda small greens, it's a lot, it's a lot less. There's a lot less sample size here. Bo Hogue has five rounds. Bo Hostler has 17. Patrick Rogers has 13. Chris John Bezayden, who has 99. And if you want to go a little bit further, Milton, and you want to say, well, how does that actually compare to their baseline? Then go to this tool right here and look at the specialists, and you'll see Chris John Bezayden, actually about a half stroke better in terms of uh, putting on Bermuda than he is on other surfaces. Fitzpatrick, Kazire, Davis Love III, Michael Thompson rounds out that list. Hey Rick, can we get you? Can we get your top five fades this week that are also in the top fifteen of owned? Oh man, you guys, you guys just want to make me look stupid. You just want to make me look stupid, Spaz. But okay, so I'll go down to Chris or I'll go down to DJ because I'll include him. Um, I'm just not. A, I'm like a four out of ten, as I mentioned. I would probably also be like Kisner be coming in at nineteen percent. That's too much for me. Um, man. This is, this is tough I, with, especially with those guys. So I, I'll go Kisner. I'll go DJ. I'm probably not as bullish on Henley as other guys are. I'd probably prefer Poulter there, 
So I can't give you five from the top 15. That's quite a bit, but I uh, hope that helps. Who are the who are the good Pete Dye players? Yeah, so we can just go to Pete Dye. We'll go to Architect. I think I showed this a little bit earlier. You want to do strokes gain total. It's Patrick Cantlay. There's that man. Patrick Cantlay, knee, uh, head, head and shoulders above everybody else. Siwoo Kim shows up. Chase Seifert, Dustin Johnson, Matt Kuchar, Abraham Answer rounds out that list. A lot of questions about Kazire. You guys love Pat and Kazire. Ownership on the top four or five guys. So I just showed that, but just so we have it on record, Abraham Answer 22%, Webb 21, Morikawa 20, Kisner 19, Harmon Berger, both around the 17 mark. Those are the highest owned golfers that I project. Got about 12 minutes here. I think I can get through a lot of these. Hammer the like button. Thank you. Uh, one and done. Use Poulter. And save Fitzpatrick, or is that getting too cute? That's probably too cute. I did have to use Poulter in a one-and-done, but that's because we started back at the beginning of the year, and I've already used basically everybody else in the field. Um, if I had Fitzpatrick available, I would have used him over Poulter. I don't mind Poulter, but I do think that's getting too cute. Feel like Connor's putting is getting better and better. Is that true? If that's true, I'm interested. If it's true, I'm interested. I got I to gotta uncheck the Pete Dye box. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess you could argue that. He's gained strokes in three of his last five, which is not something he's done ever. Yeah, ever. So uh, this is technically correct, Hybrid. Corey Connors putting is getting better. I'll give you that. Love jock market. Getting absolutely smoked last week, or got absolutely smoked last week. Any KJ Choi love. Again, if there's ever going to be a place to play KJ Choi, I lump it in with with uh, Jim Furyk. It's probably here, but I'm not that excited about it. Did Harris English look good on? Let's let's look at his final round. Let's, one, one round isn't going to change my opinion all that much from what I've seen um, since the start of the year here. But we can look and see this. Yeah, he played. He he did play a lot better. He played a lot better on Sunday at the Masters. He gained a lot putting, but he also gained off the tee and he gained on approach. He actually gained in every category, which is something he probably hasn't done in quite some time. I agree that's better. Do I want do I want to take that one round into consideration over the last three months I've seen? Not yet. Amen to your first presidential decree. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, Rick, do you maintain your choice of chalk use over all contests? Okay, so generally speaking, single entry contests, the chalkier guys are are the chalky guys are even chalkier. So you'll see if 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 Webb is 22% in the big events, he'll be like 28 or 30 in single entries because most people just love it. Kevin says 250 plus people watching and only 59 likes hit the like button, please. That's the only thing I ask. <clears throat> Was there any model that predicted Hideki even in the top five at Augusta? Probably not. We've actually talked a lot about Hideki on this, on this show over the last couple of, of weeks. Remember we said he had turned the corner. I, I by no means thought he was going to win the masters. No, no, not at all, especially with his putter. Um, but I thought we, we had come on here and we had chatted. I say we, like me in the chat, amongst, okay, the approach game was coming back. Remember, he had a really poor stretch. The approach game was coming back. The driver wasn't back yet, and the putter was still kind of weird. So no, I, I didn't see it coming. I can't imagine 
many models would have predicted that. Um, it was a great, it was a great week. He's awesome. He's awesome. If you're playing one chalk golfer, which one is the must play? Um, probably still Webb or Morikawa. Probably still Webb. It's probably still Webb. Favorite in the 6K range. Oh boy. 6K range is pretty scary, but I think I do like some guys down here. What's interesting is we've had a lot of different questions this week. I think this is actually really good. We're getting a lot better at this, guys. Uh, Neesmith is going to be popular. He's a great approach player. You're going to hear the story constantly that he proposed to his wife on the 18th green. I actually kind of think we're... I don't think it's Doc Redman week yet, but I think we're getting closer. Um, I don't... I won't, I won't bore you with the details, but I think we're getting closer on Doc. I think the right answer is Seifert. So he's made four cuts in a row, finished 13th at the Honda. He's got three top 20s in his last four starts, plays well on Pete Dye courses. I think, I think he's probably my favorite. Sabatini has good course history. That's why he pops up on your models. Dream scenario is him and Morikawa in the final group. Oh my God. Yeah, mic'd up and they have to talk to each other the entire time. That would be amazing. If I become caddy, yes, Denver, Timmy, you can be you can be my caddy if I become president. Um, you might also have to be Secret Service too, but yeah, sure. Uh, okay, Doug Gim. We haven't talked about Doug Gim in a while. Let's do it. Douglas Gim. What's he up to these days? Ooh, ball striking the hell out of it as he tends to do. Oh boy, lost seven. And he finished forty fourth, losing seven and a half strokes putting. That's got to be his worst ever, right? That's got to be Doug Gibbs' worst round ever, worst putting performance ever. It is. Wow, he's lost seven strokes in two separate events in his career. God, that's bad. Love the ball striking stuff. Hope he can putt. I think core cascading is a good lineup building strategy every week, Joe. I'm actually uh, likely to do it in the birdie this week. I've been trying other stuff in the birdie, but I'm probably going to get back to it this week. So, so I do, I do think that Fleetwood is trending up. We're starting to see vintage Tommy with the irons again. Um, do I think he has winning upside this week? Tommy and winning upside is always really hard, right? Because he doesn't win all that much. It's a pretty strong field. He does have it. I would not to exclude him, but I'm not super excited about it. But yes, the approach game's coming back. Quinn says, took down first place, 100 or 100,000. That'd be cool too. $1,000 in round two showdown short game. Wouldn't be here without you, Quinn. Thank you very much. And congratulations. I've answered a lot of these, which is nice. Any prop bets? Ooh, no. Let me see if I can come back to that. I'd have to go look. I, I want to know what the winning score. So what you could check, go find out what the winning score is because bad books might look at last year's numbers when Webb Simpson set the scoring record. It was the only time that event has been played in June. There was zero wind whatsoever. I would go check the score. This, this week is like between nine and 13 under par would be my guess, maybe 14 under. That's normally what we see. I Austin, go check the, go check the um, winning score. Give me that hokey. I just like that. Man, I want the tool that's always right, baby. Me too. If you find it, let me know. Uh, I actually, yeah. So, so Jason, uh, to, to, to round out the thought on Ian Poulter, he's played well here before. 
I use him in a one and done. I'm pretty bullish on him. Do I think he can pull off a top 20? I can. Also, he, uh, I was in a Zoom meeting with Ian Poulter last week at the Masters, uh, thanks to Mercedes Benz. He's actually doing a lot of great work with, um, he did a lot of great work with, he does a lot of great work with them in general, but he, they did, they did, um, front laid frontline workers. They got, they took him to Augusta National. They welcomed him. They got him tickets, all that stuff. It was pretty cool. And he was breaking down our swings. He's a really, really nice guy. And he's got great course history here. So, yes, uh, I do like, I do like Ian Poulter. Boom. Matching the shirt color with the with the LED. I'm a professional. How rare is it to come second in a tournament and and the next week to win? I would say pretty rare, but everything's pretty rare, right? You could say what how how rare is it to come fifth and then win or fifty fourth and then win? It's all it's all pretty rare. So I don't know if that helps with any information. In and out burger. That's just a comment. I do like In and Out Burger though. Rick for Prez, thank you. I've got at least two or three votes in the chat. Thank you very much. How do you feel about two former RBC winners, Kadira and Donald? Yeah, this question I actually got a couple of times, so let's do it. Um, I mean, yeah, Luke Donald's been awesome here. He's made, a, you know, he got like $3 million in earnings, probably more than that at this event alone. The problem is he has missed four, six, eight, nine consecutive cuts. So that doesn't elicit much confidence. And then Satoshi Kadaira. I mean, when is the last time he even played? I guess Valero missed two cuts there. I guess he's been playing better because he's made more cuts than Luke Donald, but uh, no, Terry, I am not excited. I am holding more. So in the, um, in the big thousand dollar one and done, I, I saved Morikawa. It was between Morikawa and um, I'll just tell you I went I ended up going with Will Zalatoris. Uh, it was between those two guys, and I did save Morikawa. I'm not sure yet. The good thing with him is you can use him anywhere, so it's just having him in your pocket is pretty valuable. So if I need to run him out at a PGA Championship, if I need to run him out at a U.S. Open, if I need to run him out at a WGC, I can kind of do that. So I I just like having him. Uh, he's like my 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 safety net. I've answered a lot of these, which is good. Yeah, there are a lot of Georgia Bulldogs in the field. Certainly true. Kevin Kisner projected 20%. Why? I don't know. This is my wife asking questions now. She says, word on the street is that Cantlay came into the Masters with a heart injury. Maybe he'll get revenge victory at the RBC. That is true. So I've heard this a couple of times. I had people tweet this at me. Well, I don't actually don't know if it's true, but it... I. The rumor is he got dumped. I don't think that I don't think that is true. I don't know if it is true. Uh, I think it just happens to be kind of funny that he played like he was dumped at the Masters, but I don't know if that is actually true. That's that's funny. <clears throat> Thank you for the question. Uh, did you get the DM I sent you on Twitter? I don't know. If I didn't respond to it, I, I don't know. I get a lot of DMs. I try to respond to them right away. Because if not, they get lost in there. So if if I didn't, maybe email me. Email me is always the best way to get a, get a hold of me. Um, Mina says that uh, Sung Jay is winning this week. How do you come up with key stats for a course? Yeah. So this is my, my favorite thing that I do. I think it's I think it's the most valuable thing that I do. So I I take 
all the stats for the PGA Tour for each season. Um, then I look at those those players, right? Those types of players, and then you and then I start to see where those players finished at different courses, and you can start to create a, a correlation model over what types of players are having success at certain courses and what stats they are good and what stats they are bad at, and then you can start to decide what um, what skill sets and what stats are important. So it is not just um, Yes, I do take into account the whole the whole field. That is that is the one thing people get wrong. They're like, well, so and so won here, and they're not a long driver of the ball. And it's like, well, there's 140 other golfers. It takes into account everybody. So um, it is not reactive, right? I don't like the stats that come in and say the guy who has won he won this tournament the last five years gained on average three strokes putting. So strokes gained putting is important. That's the silliest thing. The guy who puts well is always going to play well, right? Like, so I do it from a what I think to be a much better way. Um, I, yeah, I really like Charlie Hoffman and Siwoo Kim as well. I think Hoffman's a little less expensive, right? I'd probably go there. Probably will be less owned. Yes. Brendan Todd. I actually did bet him at 70 to one as well. Kazire is the guy. Sometimes I come on here and everyone asks about Maverick McNeely. This week is all about Pat and Kazire. I like him. He pops. No Kirk Love? That's not true. Talked about him. Like him. I actually said he could win it more likely than Kevin Kisner. Rick joining late. Your quick picks for the following matchups. Morikawa versus Simpson. Damn, that's hard. Uh, Berger versus Connors. Casey versus Hatton. Let's go... I'm going to go with floors. So I'll go Casey over Hatton just because of the floor. Berger over Connors because of the floor. And probably Simpson over Morikawa because of the floor. But I like, if I was betting matchups, but like I already bet outrights, I already bet Morikawa, right? They're different. Morikawa's range of outcomes is much larger. All right. Do I ever use a lineup optimizer? Yeah, rickrungood.com. There's both a lineup optimizer and a lineup builder. I use it a lot. Rick's models are by far better to bet matchups. Uh, it's probably true. Thanks for all the content, brother. No worries. And I am almost at the bottom. JG Funk says, wanted to say thanks for all the diligence on last week's live leaderboard. Whew, that was hard. I'm glad it worked out. Used it for weekend slates, made 5,900%. I love it. Rick, what do you think of Tommy this week? Ball striking is coming around. I need the rest of it. Whole top 20. Uh, can you briefly explain core cascading? It's on my YouTube channel. Uh, check it out. It's an in-depth video. Type it into Google. Uh, it's awesome. There we go. I think that'll do it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Got three minutes of overtime in, I believe, for this week. RBC Heritage. It is going to be a ton of fun. It is a very unique event on the PGA Tour. I enjoy it very much, and I think you will too. Before you head out, hit the like button. If you want to go use these tools, see what they're all about, go to rickrungood.com. I enjoy them. I think you will too. If you want to join us tonight, the Jock Market Power Hour is at 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm going to go eat lunch. I hope you do too. I hope you have a great day. Goodbye.